Matthew chapter 12, beginning at verse 22. Then a demon oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and no city or house divided against itself will stand and if satan casts out satan he's divided against himself how then will his kingdom stand and if i cast out demons by beelzebub by whom do your sons cast them out therefore they will be your judges but if it is by the spirit of god that i cast out demons then the kingdom of god has come upon you or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters to me will be forgiven people. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Have you had the virus yet? How do you know? The government in this last week have focused their communications to us on the test for the virus. It's a test that will reveal if you have COVID-19. A test that will either allow people to work or exclude them from work. It's a yes-no test. You can't be partially infected. Our response to Jesus is another test, a measure revealing us. It's a yes-no measure. And that's just what's going on here in Matthew chapter 12. It starts with this uh, event where Jesus performs an extraordinary act. An act of kindness that transforms a man's life. But Jesus' action exposes the hearts of those who see it. Their response is not a measure of Jesus, it's a measure of them. It's a test of their hearts. Jesus rescues this man from darkness and silence that the demon has locked him into. He can do that because he is God the Son. He has power over the universe, even over evil spirits. Now, I know today in Beckentry, people will ask, how is a miracle even possible? And the Bible is clear about that. God the Son controls the ordinary, so he can do the extraordinary. He makes the regular, the rain, the sun, the budding and the blossoming that we see at this time of year. And so he can make the irregular. The crowds respond to this. This can't be the son of David, can it? Verse 23. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David, the Messiah? I mean, he's going to do miracles. That's what we're expecting. But 
he's not going to act like a servant like Jesus seems to or withdraw from confrontation uh, like he seems to have done back in uh, chapter 12 15 onwards what do others say well we've got the response of the Pharisees verse 24 they were the strict religious group in that time people admired them for their devotion they can't deny Jesus has done something extraordinary this man has been released from a demon and physical uh, disabilities have been removed. So how do they interpret it? They judge Jesus and they reject his work. And Jesus says, well, I'm going to draw out three things that Jesus says uh, about them, that their response measures them. It's like the virus test. It shows the reality about them. And the three things is that they contradict themselves. They condemn themselves and others. And in doing so, they show what they really like. I'll explain each of those. So firstly, they contradict themselves. He's cast out a demon. How can he do that? Verse 24, when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. And Jesus says that makes no sense. Verse 25, Jesus knew knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. I know it might be uh, hard to imagine it, but uh, there are still wars carrying on in this time of uh, lockdown and worldwide pandemic. Uh, The one that was most in our news most recently is the terrible situation in Syria. And when uh, Syrian tanks demolish Syrian houses and Syrian helicopters ruin Syrian roads and trucks, and when Syrian troops kill Syrian civilians... When those things happen, Syria is falling apart. And that's what Jesus uh, would, it, it would suggest that these people are implying is happening. Verse 26, if Satan drives out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom then do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. The first thing he says there, you know, if if Satan is helping him, why would Satan help him to defeat his own side? He likes Syria destroying Syria. It, it makes no sense, and it is crazy what is happening within Syria. But also, some Pharisees seem to be involved in driving out demons themselves. And, and Jesus says, if I do that with the prince of demons' power, what are you saying about your side, your people? It seems to be, but from your logic, from what you're saying, if if it's only Satan that enables me to do that, then it's only Satan that enables your people to do that. You're on Satan's side. Uh, that's not the way to understand it, Jesus says. Verse 28 is how to understand it. Verse 28. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And then Jesus uses a, another picture, an image or an illustration to help us understand this. A burglar overcomes a homeowner and then takes things from his house, verse 29. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. In this picture, Jesus uh, is saying Satan is like a strong man who owns a house. He's a strong man. He's got a house. His house is full of possessions. Satan's possessions are people. And Jesus is the one who is breaking in, tying up Satan, and taking the people away from him. 
Satan's not helping him. Hmm. He's robbing Satan, taking Satan's possessions. Hmm. Now, uh, please don't think Jesus is saying burglar is okay or theft is or tying people up is okay. He's using this picture just to explain what he's doing. So, you know, this is the only way a strong man will have his possessions taken away from him. If, it is, if an even stronger man comes and ties it, then that stronger man can take the things away. That's what Jesus is doing. Makes no sense to say Jesus is driving out demons with the help of the prince of demons. But these people, they are contradicting themselves, really, by the way they're arguing. It doesn't make sense. They're saying Jesus is doing this with Satan's help. Well, Satan doesn't help someone to destroy his own kingdom. And if Satan was helping Jesus, then presumably Satan would be helping the Pharisees, people who were doing the same sort of thing. No, this is like a strong man being defeated by an even stronger man. Jesus defeating Satan so he can release his captives. The problem is, though, these, these people are judging Jesus. Uh, if you think about it, when you make judgments about a situation or about a person, what matters is how you look at the evidence. Are, are you looking at the evidence of this person or this situation, or are you just using the evidence to prove your point? Mm-hmm. That's a challenge for us when we're thinking about things. We've got to watch that as Christians, that we're honest. We're honest at the evidence we get in the Bible. We're honest when we're presenting evidence to people. We don't just use things to prove our point. We're not afraid of the truth. We're not afraid of the truth. We, we, we believe God is true. We believe the Bible is true. We are happy, we're happy to be shown we're wrong because we trust that the Bible would always show itself to be true. But people today are like these Pharisees. They, they criticize God and his ways. They demand that God would come up to our standard. So they'll say, well, why has God allowed this virus? He can't be a loving God if he's allowed that. He's not worthy of my interest. I've heard people speak like that. I want God to rule the world my way. Well, they don't actually say that, but that's what they mean, isn't it? I'm judging God, and God doesn't come up to my standards. Well, how daft that is. And it's much more serious that we don't come up to his standards. I think about it. Many of us will say we believe in truth, but we all lie. None of us comes up to his standards, and that's the real judgment that matters. Back in verse 2, I think Rob uh, looked at this with you last week, back in verse 2, uh, when some Pharisees saw what Jesus' disciples were doing, they said, look, your disciples are doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath breaking the religious teaching well the truth is Jesus is the purpose of the law, he's what it's about here they're accusing him of working with Satan and the truth is he's overcoming Satan but they won't judge rightly they've decided before they speak so they contradict themselves and in doing so, second thing they condemn themselves and bring condemnation to others. They condemn themselves and others. Again, Jesus uh, shows that there's no neutrality. There's no uh, sitting on the fence. There's no halfway situation in relation to Jesus. There's only two sides, with Jesus or against him. Verse 30. 
whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. So which side are you on? Are you a gatherer or are you a scatterer? Jesus in verses 31 and 32 explains the consequences. He says, so then, let me read those verses, 12, 31. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks the Holy Spirit against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Blasphemy is extreme slander. It's speaking against someone. And here Jesus talks about those who speak against him. That's what the Pharisees were doing. Jesus says that can be forgiven. God forgives our sin through the death of Jesus, taking the guilt for us in our place by his death. But one kind of blasphemy won't be forgiven. What is that? Blasphemy or speaking a word against the spirits. Now, a lot of Christians worry about this. They're not sure what it is. What is this sin that is so bad that you can't be forgiven? Well, here is Jesus freeing a man from evil and suffering by the work of God's spirit. That's what Jesus says is going on. And these men are speaking against that work. They're saying Jesus is working evil or with the power of evil. They are rejecting Jesus and his work. That is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't come from ignorance. They can't deny the miracle has happened, but it's a refusal to acknowledge who Jesus is. Let me illustrate this. Imagine two people in hospital with the same disease, and the only cure is to take a certain drug. One patient grumbles about the nurses, says the doctors are no good, wishes that he was in another hospital. But in the end, he does take that drug, and he recovers. But the other patient insists that that drug is actually bad for you. He refuses to take it. He says this, this medication is actually going to cause greater sickness. And as a result, he does not get better. That second patient is an incurable patient because they refuse the way of healing. And that is an illustration of the unforgivable sinner who refuses the way of forgiveness. The unforgivable, the unhealable or the unhealable, untreatable patient refuses the treatment. The unforgivable sinner refuses the way of forgiveness. And so you see verse 31 is a consequence of verse 30. The Pharisees rejected Jesus, the way to life. When others wondered what Jesus was doing, they dismissed Jesus. They're scattering. They're speaking against the word of Jesus, the work of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And so they are guilty of an unforgivable sin. And when others wonder what Jesus is doing, those Pharisees dismiss Jesus. So they are the ones scattering. You see that in verse 30. They're not with me. They're against me. They're not gathering. They're scattering. When people are saying, could this be the son of David? Could this be the Messiah? They're saying, no, 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 no. He's evil. So that pushes people away from Jesus. It pushes them away from the way of forgiveness. 
it forces them into the position of not being able to be forgiven. Now, I don't know if any of us here, well, not here, any of you logging in here, um, are not a Christian. If you're not, hear this warning. Jesus says you can't be forgiven if you reject the way of forgiveness. What you think about Jesus reveals the truth about you. That's the test of you. And it can reveal that you've refused the way of forgiveness. There's no compromise here. There isn't a sort of third way, uh, forgiven, unforgiven, or in the middle, well, I'm a decent enough person. I've got my own way of thinking about God. Don't bother me with your particular enthusiasm down at Beckentry Church. I think I'll be all right with God in the end. That's not on offer. This is a yes-no test. There's only two options. What will be revealed about us in our response to Jesus? If we say Jesus is evil, his work is evil, I want to stay away from him, we can't be forgiven because he is the only way of forgiveness. If we say, oh, I need forgiveness, where can I get it from? Jesus offers it. Lord Jesus, thank you for paying for my forgiveness. We will be saved. So if you're a Christian and you have prayed that prayer and that is your your response to God in heaven, you are fully forgiven. So these people contradict themselves in their reaction to Jesus. That's what the, the, the test reveals about them. They condemn themselves and others because they reject the way of forgiveness and drive others from that, scatter. And in this, they show what they're really like. The third point, they show what they're really like. Jesus used another illustration. He's talked about a strong man tying up someone, a kingdom against a kingdom. Now he talks about tree, verse 33. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is revealed by its fruit or recognised by its fruit. Where we uh, used to live in Leighton, there was a, a tree in the middle of a, a quite a busy roundabout. So I could walk past the tree, never thought any reason to do so, just a small scrubby tree. But then uh, as the, the year went on, um, leaves came out, blossom came and went. And later in the year, this tree produced red apples. That proved what kind of tree it was. That tree couldn't have produced pears or bananas. It wasn't a pear tree or banana tree. It was an apple tree. It couldn't produce conkers. It wasn't a horse chestnut tree. It was an apple tree. It produced apples. And Jesus says it's the same with people. Verse 35. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. What have they been saying? Well, back in verse 24, when the Pharisees heard this, they said about Jesus, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Their hearts were perverse and evil and mean. Why Jesus says in verse 34, he calls them a brood of vipers, dangerous poisonous snakes. How can you say anything good? How can you who are evil say anything good? 
in verse 36. But I tell you that everyone have, will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. But by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Our acceptance with God, Jesus says here, depends on our words. Uh, in, I'm, I'm not sure uh, what the word was in, in the version Hannah read, but in this version, it, it's every empty word. It, it can be uh, and, uh, translated every careless word. Every word you say without thinking it through carefully, when you're caught out off the spot, uh, sorry, or on the spot, when you're put on the spot and you, or you're caught out, are unplanned words. Our future with God depends on that. How, how, how do we respond naturally towards Jesus? You see, their, their words about Jesus, these people's words about Jesus, well, you've got to reject him. Jesus is the judge, and they were the defendants. And it was their attitude to Jesus that was the test that proved where their hearts were. You see, your opinion and my opinion of Jesus matters very little. It's his opinion of us that matters, ultimately, in the sense that we're not judged of him. And there's a right and a wrong opinion of us, and it reveals where our heart is and reveals where our future is. But ultimately, it's him, his opinion of us that counts. And that opinion will come out in our casual words, what we say about him when caught off guard and someone points out our sin. We might refer to him then. Or when people want to praise us and say, we're so good, how will we respond to that? Will there be any recognition of Jesus in saying, well, thank you for recognising that. But I, I recognise that that is a gift from Jesus at work in me. I do praise him for that. Or when a teacher or school friends or work colleagues ridicule Jesus and his people, how will we react then? Will we speak up for him? Or will we be silent or even agree with that? If you're not a Christian, or if you're going to explain this to someone who's not a Christian, uh, you might see here that the problem we have is not just that we need to change our words. That would be like taking the apples off that apple tree and stapling pears on instead. It doesn't make it a pear tree. And just need a, a change of the fruit because the fruit comes from within. We need a change of heart, a heart that's shifted to acknowledge who the Lord Jesus truly is. I had a very helpful comment on this episode. I'll just uh, finish with that. In this episode, it is not Jesus who is being assessed. And people say, is this the son of David? Or rather say, no. He's working with Satan. It's not Jesus being tested. It's they who are being tested. And it's their words about Jesus that reveals the reality about them. Well, uh, will you pass the virus test? What's more important is what the test of Jesus reveals about your heart and my heart. Let me uh, pray for us in our response to this. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you for your words uh, that you've taught here. 
and that you organised for them to be saved for us in the Bible. Uh, Jesus, it, 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 you show here by, by your words uh, just how important it is, how we react to you. So much more significant than any measure of our lives. Please help us to believe that you really are this significant. Forgive us for the ways in which we have thought little of you. But thank you so much for your mercy. That there is a way of forgiveness for sinners like us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.